Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Talking Your Way to Change, the podcast that educates you about optimal mental health and psychotherapy. I am the host, Dr. Banker, and I'm coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I want to thank all of you listeners who have been coming on this journey with me. I am now venturing into the second season. This has been a profound learning journey as I learned to navigate the podcasting industry. Although it has been challenging, connecting with other mental health specialists and diving into the psychological research allows me to fill my own cup. If you are enjoying Talking Your Way to Change, thanks for tuning in. Please consider subscribing to the show. Subscribing is one of the ways for me to reach broader audiences. Also, if you think the content is worthwhile, share it with a friend. I am practicing my social media skills, and you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now, let's get into today's episode. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday, despite the realities of what everyone is facing during this pandemic. Today's episode will be about Imago Relationship Therapy, which was founded by Dr. Harville Hendricks and Dr. Helen La Kelly Hunt in the 1980s. Later this week, I will be interviewing a certified Imago Relationship Therapist, Carol Hornbeck, and I thought it would be helpful to explore a few of the principles upon which this therapy was developed before releasing that episode later this month. I think I read uh, the book in the 1990s, Getting the Love You Want, A Guide for Couples Therapy, which was written by Dr. Hendricks, um, Dr. Hendricks and Dr. Hunt. And it fit well within the framework I had already been studying, which was psychodynamic therapy. For example, I had already believed that we recreate for ourselves relational dynamics that are familiar and thus psychologically return to earlier relationship stages of our lives in an effort to heal the past or perhaps undo the harm that was done with important caregivers, uh, trying to get it right this time. However, it seemed challenging for me at that time to determine when someone was recreating earlier on traumatic experiences with an abusive partner, utilizing what Martha Stark calls relentless hope and a refusal to grieve, and when it was really more of just a healthy developmental stage of conflict, when the idealization of our initial stages of love give way to the daily frustrations, um, which like what they talk about in Imago relationship therapy. Now, I think that I am better able to help someone kind of tease those um, different dynamics apart And um, I do find that Imago Relationship Therapy can be very um, helpful and useful in my work today. I will just give a brief overview of this therapy and highlight one of the tenets that is my favorite. Um, And that is that the relationship takes place in the space between us and our partners and that we are able to influence this space even when our partners do not want to consciously work on the relationship with us. 
I will also end with an action step if you are interested in applying a concept to your own life. What is Imago Relationship Therapy, IRT? It is a form of couples therapy that focuses on transforming conflict into an opportunity to grow and heal. And it is accessible for all partners in romantic relationships, no matter the sexual orientation. This therapy suggests that we unconsciously choose our partners based on unconscious images of familiar love. We each come into adulthood with an image of what love means and pick a partner that provides that same kind of love. The Latin word imago, meaning image, refers to the unconscious image of familiar love. What we find is that frequently there's a connection between our frustrations and hurts in our adult relationships and early childhood experiences. This deeper level of understanding allows us to have a deep level of empathy for our romantic partners and consciously understand the relationship. An example is individuals frequently criticized as a child will likely be highly sensitive to their partner's criticism. Childhood feelings of abandonment, suppression, or neglect will often arise in marriage or committed relationships. When such core issues repeatedly come up with a partner, they can really overshadow what's good about the relationship and they can leave people wondering, oh, did I choose the right mate? This is also in part why some partners become so dysfunctional during conflict. Imago relationship therapy helps couples learn about childhood wounds and then help each other heal. This new awareness and skill building moves them into a conscious relationship. Essentially, they help people learn how to talk without criticism, listen without judgment, and connect beyond their differences. They have a simple three-step process that teaches people how to become more present in all of their relationships. Okay, when I look at this type of couples therapy, I see the initial steps are about getting on board with the Imago Framework. That is that you unconsciously chose your partner based on early life experiences so that you could heal your childhood wounds. This helps you have more clarity about why you chose your partner and normalizes that conflict when it comes up. And that the conflict that you experience is particular to you and particularly to your childhood. I always tell people, you get stuck with the same types of wounds from your childhood past over and over and over. You don't get to choose new ones. For example, if abandonment was the issue in your childhood, then that's what's going to play out in your adult relationships. It might be expressed differently, but that'll be the issue. In fact, it can be frustrating that you have made tons of progress and then one day you're having a complete meltdown because your partner does not bring the laundry basket when asked for the 10th time. And if you had abandonment issues, you're going to interpret that through the lens of having a partner who might feel abandoning. 
Now, if your childhood issue was that maybe you had excessive demands placed on you as a child, then you're going to be upset about that laundry basket issue from that angle. And you might sort of just decide, oh gosh, it's just better for me to just overfunction and not even ask my partner to do anything to avoid that disappointment. So once you get on board with this idea that you have indeed, in fact, chosen the right partner and that the conflict is okay, it's actually necessary and a part of you to heal as an adult, the second part of the relationship counseling is to create what they call safe conversations. And they have formulas for helping people talk without criticism, with being able to listen without judgment, and connect beyond your differences. Using a simple three-step process, they teach people how to become more present in all their relationships. One of the tenets of this therapy that I find most empowering is that someone who wants to improve their relationship and their partner is too unwilling to go to therapy can still make progress in the relationship. Renowned couples therapist Esther Perel states, the golden rule of relationships is that if you want to change the other, start by changing yourself. Relationships are actual feedback loops in which we make the other and the other defines us. It's back and forth. It's not uncommon for people to consider embarking into couples therapy when they are feeling desperate, hurt, angry. But oftentimes what they're really thinking is that I need a third person to help me change my partner. And this is understandable. And it's not infrequent that the person seeing, seeking couples therapy is the one whose trust has been broken or is the recipient of another's dysfunction during conflict. However, most couples therapists these days will share that it calls for individuals to take personal responsibility for his or her actions. This is good news for someone and bad news for others. It does give more credence, though, that if one person is willing to change, then there is a chance that the relationship will improve. We can't take responsibility for our partner's dysfunction, but we can work on changing our own. And thus, we are influencing the space in between us. That is the relationship. Let me read to you from their book entitled The Space Between the Point of Connection. They write, the space between is precisely where we recover the sensation of full aliveness and joy and the how. To understand how we get it back, we need to acknowledge the quality of this energy field between us and our beloved. It all depends on the energy you choose to generate in that space. We have two choices. We can make the space between either safe or dangerous. If the space between is safe, connecting will be restored and we will thrive and feel fully alive. If it is dangerous, we will instinctively feel defensive to protect ourselves. We cannot turn the danger sensors off even if we want to, we will automatically shrink tightly into a 
monad state and survive by going it alone. We may not be aware of the ways that we evoke danger in our partner. We may rush around using a harsh tone, roll our eyes, and occasionally shame, blame, or criticize. These negative interactions trigger our partner's anxiety and activate their defenses. On the other hand, we can choose to make it safe for our partner. We can use a kinder tone of voice, ask our partner how they are feeling, or express gratitude about something that we often take for granted. This respectful quality of interacting affirms our partner as valuable in their own right. So this is why you have to get it. Safety is non-negotiable. Ultimately, the space between is where we recover awareness of connection and full aliveness. It's the quality of our interaction in the space between that turns the light back on. I want to clarify that this episode is a snapshot of an overriding principle that we choose our partners so that we might heal ourselves and that our disillusionment in love is a natural process after romantic love falls away. This is one explanation for why we have conflict, but what to do about it is a much more in-depth conversation and journey, which I hope to flush out more in my conversation with an Imago therapist expert. But the short answer is, is that we create safety. We create safety in that space between our individual selves called the relationship. I think it's helpful to think of that space as analogous to a business partnership, but that it is sacred, romantic, and lifelong. One caveat I have is that if you're wondering if you are in an abusive relationship, this is not the place for you to start your journey of healing. I would recommend individual therapy with a focus on yourself and creating safety for you. However, if you're certain that you are not in an abusive relationship and wanting to learn how to work with conflict in a more productive way, this is one approach. Also, if you're just feeling unable to bring this level of dedication to your partnership mm-hmm. right now, you could practice this with your child, friend, or colleague. Dr. Helen Hunt stated in her book, Making Marriage Simple, that we can do some spring cleaning in that space by generating lists of what you can do to bring positivity into that space and what you do or can do that brings negativity into that space. What are the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that I bring to the space that are infusing positivity? I think examining your behavior is a great place to start because you don't have to get caught up in who is more in the right. So, for example, you could start to monitor your tone of voice when speaking to your partner, your eye contact, your willingness to focus on your partner and be present when they are speaking, a mantra that they encourage to say to yourself multiple times a day is no shame, blame, or criticism. I think it is a great idea to even practice this for one day. Practice not criticizing your loved one for one day. See how far into the day or week you can get. It can be quite shocking. 
If you want to learn more about this type of therapy, visit their website at harvillandhelen.com. Until next time, this is Dr. Banker. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for listening. I need to alert you that this podcast is not meant to be a substitution for mental health treatment. Although we talk about psychotherapy, this is not your psychotherapy. If listeners are interested in pursuing therapy, I would refer you to psychologytoday.com backslash US or your insurance carrier network.